0: Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. Tim and Julie Harris broadcasting live, as always, from lovely Austin, Texas. And we have a really cool show for you guys today. Um, This show is, I think, something that's going to be one of those shows that a lot of you that own offices and teams and brokers and all the rest of you are going to really want to use this information as part of your strategic long-term real estate learning library. And the title of today's show is The Strategic Know-Hows of a Powerful Negotiator. And negotiating is one of those funny topics that – you know, is talked about too much, and people always, there's classes, and there's certifications, and it seems like every board, you know, down at your local board of realtors is some dude or dudette teaching some negotiating class, and, you know, all those uh, those programs, all those classes, they never go deep enough, and you guys will take that information and you'll say, okay, now I'm working on a deal, then all of a sudden the deal doesn't work out. Or if you're representing a buyer, and all of a sudden the buyer doesn't get house. If all of a sudden you know, you're obviously working with the seller and then you can't seem to get a contract on a property uh, that actually sticks, then you're realizing that the negotiating tactics you've been using uh, don't really work. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be deep diving into actually what works in negotiating in this market now this market what's different obviously a lot of things are different depending on where you are in the country what price ranges you're dealing with but it's safe to say that this time of year when you're negotiating for anybody there are a lot of intricacies that you guys need to be respecting or you're not going to get deals together um and i'm Julie and I are always going to be uh, focusing our best energies on helping you guys become powerful listing agents, so don't be surprised if most of our tips are going to be favoring those agents with listings, and those of you guys who have not yet learned how to get listings, well, guess what? Learn how to get listings. I don't know what more to tell you. By the way, Julie, we have been receiving a ton of interesting, I'll say, feedback on the series of calls we did last week, the shows we did last week, on basically the death of buyer agency, or what we suspect will be happening sooner than later, Um, and you know what? As always, I'm always impressed with our listeners. They get it. They, there was obviously some, neg- some negative Nancy's, but for the most part, uh, people were respectful and uh, appreciative. And folks that basically have been only working or primarily focusing on you know, the paradigm of buying buyer leads and working with buyers, they were the ones that were most appreciative because now they really, are, I think, are having the motivation to finally get off their duffs and learn how to become powerful listing agents. So, um, Julie, you have some shout outs, some folks you'd like to mention from Facebook, I believe.
1: Yes, that's right. Just a couple of reminders to our premier coaching members on our private Facebook page. There is a uh, outbound referral to Lakeland, Florida, waiting for somebody to snap that up, as well as Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think there's two or three others on there as well, but those just popped up. Um, Also, and I think this ties into our call today to our our, uh, podcast from Don Sherwood in Colorado. He's talking about something that plays into our negotiation talks. He says. Good news is the past client has two houses to sell and wants to buy. Got her pre-approved. She wants small acreage with water close to town, northern front range of Colorado. Basically scarce as hen's teeth. Found a property that works, but they missed it because they didn't yet have their ducks in a row. Now she peruses Zillow and texts me, I want to see this, I want to see that. that. And he says, that's listed 200000 more you can afford. And she says, "That well, maybe they'll take less. <laughs> he wants to say, they're not going to take 30% less. And she says, how do you know? He wanted to say, this ain't my first rodeo, (laughs) but I didn't. Uh, I don't want to lose her other two listings. I'm thinking I could be showing houses and making dumb offers until the, (laughs) he says, until hell freezes over, strategy suggestions. And I had written back that, you know, this, this gets to when somebody's being a little bit emotional, you combat that with some facts so that we're not just shooting from the hip and reacting emotionally. I mean, I certainly feel his pain on this. But I had written back, you know, show her the list-to-sell price ratio of how much people tend to negotiate. Sometimes we can be surprised by that, too, especially if it's something more expensive. The list-to-sell price ratio usually has a bigger disparity. But if people don't statistically come down, and you can show her those facts and say, well, if all of the sellers know this because they're talking to their listing agents and assuming they're priced correctly, knowing that the list-to-sell price ratio is, say, 95% of list price, assuming it's priced right, Well, gosh, why would they consider coming down by, say, 30% instead of just saying it? Because we can come off as agents. Well, of course, the agent's going to say that. You know, people like to be critical. But combat it with some actual facts. So I think that's kind of a good segue into our show today. But also a reminder, the T-shirt shop is open as is the pre-listing package uh, link for those of you on our Facebook page. So, so back
0: to you, Tim. Let's go back to that. So are you telling me the aim, the comment on Facebook? I I didn't. I don't think I heard the first part. Are You telling me that that agent he was saying that this gal has two listings that he's getting, or he has? Yes, and he's basically already. She I has think he's already them? got
1: them, but she's also buying.
0: Okay, so he. or not.
1: But yeah go ahead. okay
0: well, there you go. That's where maybe we should start do does this gal have to sell these properties in order for her to buy the next property, and assuming she does Uh, have to sell the properties because you were telling her that she couldn't afford something. So, you know, I assume that basically these properties have to be sold. Here would be my suggestion, and this is true, which helps, right? (laughs) Uh, Tell her that no seller is going to take her seriously unless she basically has those properties sold, um, or at least essentially until they are are in contract. And that is the 100% fact. So that might be another good opportunity when she keeps on bringing these ideas to you on how she can steal somebody's house. You know, you might want to mention to her that really the buyers or the sellers on the next property and her move-up property or move down in price range, I don't know, they aren't going to be very, you know, welcoming of an offer from somebody who's contingent on home sale and it's really low. So maybe suggest to her yeah. that the better negotiating uh, point will be when she is not necessarily contingent, maybe just contingent on the closing. Now this, again, you'll have to know whether this is true for your market, but it sounds like to me what she's looking for would be hard to sell in most of the country. Most of the country people don't want properties like what you are describing she's looking for. So she actually might be in a better negotiating uh, uh, you know, perspective yeah. or advantage, and uh, you think and th- and so Julie's suggestion on knowing the statistics on the list to sell price ratio and whatnot. I mean, I'm gonna assume you know the market, but you know what? Just double check because sometimes big parcels they really don't appeal to that many people. There's not really that many horse people in the country, and not very many people want the land to take after. At the end of the day, most people just want a place to live and maybe a little bit of privacy. So hopefully, all this information from Julie and I didn't overwhelm you, but you would then have some direction. So. Julie- any other comments and yes. whatnot from Facebook, or you want to just jump right back in?
1: Nope. They can just grab their T-shirts there, and if you are somebody who has been procrastinating your pre-listing package, well, we can help you out with that as well. So just make sure that uh, if you are a Facebook member, a Premier Coaching member, that you are paying attention on Facebook, not just for those reasons, but also because every day there's referrals that go agent to agent there. So stay focused, you guys. And we don't
0: get in the middle of those, guys. We don't. We're yep. not playing games. You guys have a referral. You just go right to the Facebook page, say, I'm looking for somebody in this particular market and chances are one of our literally thousands of members will, you know, and want to have that lead. Now I'm not saying we're all on that private Facebook page, but it's a good place to start. And uh, Julie mentioned the t shirts. Remember guys, the t shirts are free for members, so you have to go to the private Facebook page. You only have to pay the shipping and handling. The only thing we ask in exchange for that, because those shirts are costing us something. Somebody asked me how much they're costing us. They're costing us about fifteen bucks each. So every time you guys take a you know you basically buy a, a free shirt, it's you know free to you 15 bucks to us, but it's my pleasure to give those to you. The only thing we ask for in exchange is that you guys take a picture, and some people are starting to post their pictures. That's great. So technically, guys, over the last few days, there's about 100 of you that have uh, grabbed your free shirts. I'm owed about 100 images, so make sure you guys are sending those images to us Uh, So we can post them on the Facebook page, and we're going to create a big marketing campaign around you guys wearing your Harris Rules uh, T-shirts. I think it's going to actually be something that's going to be very cool and get a lot of interest across the real estate uh, world. Your names will be included, so this will be a great free marketing for you guys to get a higher national profile on our nickel. So listen, Julie, this negotiating topic, this is one of those things. That you know, sort of like everyone thinks they're a negotiating expert, and really, yeah. if basically you have a highly motivated, highly qualified buyer and a highly motivated, you know, seller, chances are that you're going to be able to put a deal together. But nowadays, there's so much complexity to contracts that your typical negotiating tactics, you know, really don't work. So let's start out by reading a John F. Kennedy quote: "Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate." That was good, Julie. And and then the second quote you found was, uh, he who has learned to disagree without being disagreeable has discovered the most uh, valuable secret of being a diplomat, and that's Robert uh, uh, Estabrook. Estabrook, Estabrook, right? Yeah, I liked that one because
1: it talks about removing ego. You know, disagree without being disagreeable. I remember occasionally, Tim, when you and I were negotiating deals, I do remember some instances where you were dealing with the other agent and you just kind of put the phone down and just shook your head, (laughs) you were like, Really, <laughs> is this really how it 's going, and I think some of our listeners have been both on both ends of that spectrum, so sometimes it 's valuable to be introspective and say, "Hey, am I part of the solution or part of the problem?" and other times you 're having to deal with your clients, your prospects, and other agents so I, I wrote these points, keeping in mind that you may be on either side of the situation, but some simple strategies to keep your cool and I wanted to use that Esterbrook cr- quote about Learn to disagree. I mean, part of negotiating is you're not in agreement yet, but don't be disagreeable about it. Don't make it worse than it has to be. So some simple strategies to keep your cool in any negotiation, and I look at these kind of as affirmations. Um, I feel calm and control when I negotiate because, point number one, and Tim, you've touched on this with Don Sherwood in the Facebook story, know my client's motivation. You should never negotiate anything without knowing The motivation, here's the secret, this is why this matters, the unmotivated are script-proof. It's not you. (laughs) It's not the script. They are just script-proof. The motivated, on the other hand, will allow you to do your job. And we probably could do a whole show just on this, Tim, because how many of our listeners have found themselves banging their heads into the wall, thinking they've got a totally logical deal, but they're still getting resistance? It has to do with motivation.
0: Go ahead, Julie. Let's drill down on let's drill down on this, guys. I'm going to go slightly off topic, but it's really important. I always have to remind myself that not all 100,000 of you guys are, you know, everyday uh, listeners. Some of you guys just listen to us once a week. So here's the reason why we will always, always ask you guys to focus all your best energies on being a listing agent and not working with buyers or not being buyers agents. And here's the bottom re- bottom line reason why: there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. There never will be. And you guys have all experienced this. It's the bane of your existence. Buyers change their mind. They're entitled to. Buyers could just decide to be renters. And we know in the country right now that is happening. You know, there's folks because there's folks that are renting single family houses. Julie and I have a lot of them that are long term tenants with us personally. You know, they basically stay there for years. And you know what? They're gonna probably never own homes. That is not necessarily a new phenomenon in the United States, by the way. So the reality of it is guys, is a buyer never has to buy. No such thing as a motivated buyer. Well, hold on, Tim. That's not true. What about a 1031 tax exchange? Well, I'm not. I'm going to be more agreeing with you than disagreeing with you, because assuming somebody wants to avoid paying the, you know, the the income taxes and the recapture and all that, they're going to want to reinvest the money so they can, you know, defer the taxes. But really, the, the deferring of the taxes doesn't last forever. Eventually, it has to be paid. But so let's look at this. Let's really drill down on the 1031 idea. Yes, you have a buyer that should buy, basically financially, might make the most sense for them to buy, but they don't have to. And some of you guys have experienced that. Investors sell things and they don't buy anything. They just basically end up paying the taxes, paying the recapture, paying whatever it is that they have to pay, and they keep the difference because they don't want to own another rental property. They just don't care. Now, why is it that we like sell? And again, be clear. A move. Oh, Tim, hold on. They're selling their house. They're moving up because they need more space, and they're going to buy another house. They don't have to buy – if they're walking away with money, that's tax-free money. They can put that in the bank, baby. They don't have to buy. A lot of you guys are in that situation too. I read your emails. You guys have cashed out all your properties. You're renting. You email me asking when I, you know, I, you know, ask me what I would, uh, what my opinion is as to when to get back in the market. As far as market timing, it's the reason I get these emails. And you know, the fact is, is you guys might stay long-term tenants forever, waiting for the time in the market. But you know, that's your decision. I don't know your local markets. But again, a move-up buyer is not a have-to-buy. They're a want-to-buy. Every buyer is a want-to-buy. Remember I told you that. Please never forget that. If you remember that, if you internalize this one little bit of, I think it should be mandatory learning in real estate, but if you remember forever and ever that a buyer never has to buy, they can always rent or they can stay put. So they will be more likely to be time wasters than sellers. Now pivot to sellers. There are lots of reasons why a seller has to sell, literally must sell the property. Literally full of anxiety, full of you know. They just want to get the property sold. They have to sell the property because they're going out of the country. They have to sell the property because they inherited. They have to sell the property because it's distressed or they're distressed. They have to sell the property because there's you know some sort of other kind of financial issue. They have to sell the property because there's you guys get the point right. The list goes on. It's a probate listing. It's a bank listing. It's a this is the other thing. They you know list of motivated sellers the list of have to sell sellers goes on and on and on and the best way to know whether a seller has to sell or want to sell is you just ask them because you will get the occasional seller that just wants to sell if all the stars align and pigs fly right if i can get my price and my terms and i find somebody's willing to pay me way too much for my property then i'll sell it so you have to ask mr seller do you have to sell this property or do you want to sell this property and they'll tell you listen to have to or want to they'll tell you And another, another nice little short script is, Mr. Seller, if you do run across somebody who's basically not in alignment with the market, they're way too expensive or their expectations are just out of whack, Mr. Seller, what's your plan B or do you have a plan B if this property doesn't sell for that price? And they'll tell you. And here's what you're going to hear 99% of the time. we'll just stay put, (laughs) or we'll just rent it. So if they have a plan B, they're probably not very motivated, and they're probably not going to be be willing to negotiate and take a realistic uh, offer, assuming they're not priced correctly to begin with. Again, we could go on and on about this, but here's the bottom line. Just cut through all of it. There's no such thing as a have-to-buy buyer. There are always want-tos, but there are dozens of reasons why you have to sell. So doesn't it make sense, considering the fact you have a limited amount of energy and time during the day that you focus on the people that are most likely to transact and do business with you? Seems like common sense, does it? So, Julie, what's the next point?
1: (laughs) Yeah, okay. Number two, related to motivation, know my client's time frame. So I love this one when they say, well, you know, if it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Or we don't really have a time frame. So I always coach our members to basically – kind of nicely call them out on that. So then if this house doesn't sell till, say, (laughs) Christmas 2020, that you're totally cool with that, because they'll almost always laugh. And then you can say, I appreciate that you don't have a specific deadline, but paint me a picture. What is your ideal world in terms of time frame? And usually when you drill down a little bit more, then they will tell you, well, ideally we'd like to have this done with before school goes back or before the holidays or before the snow flies depends on your situation and time of the year and and that kind of thing. Now, if they don't then reveal that there is some kind of time frame, you may have an issue. So motivation and time frame kind of go hand in hand. And again, I have to go back to, I don't know why you would attempt to negotiate anything if you don't know those two things, motivation and time frame, because your hands are tied. You're basically just throwing stuff out there and see what sticks if you don't have this in your mind, because here's what happens to the scripts when you do know their motivation and time frame, even if the offer isn't exactly what they wanted, you then can say, well, Tim, you know, I appreciate that there's a few items here we probably want to negotiate and counteroffer, but this offer allows you to move so that you're done with this by the time school goes back, and it helps you accomplish your needs with closing on your new construction without having to have two loans, even if it's not the number you wanted. Now I've got something to help you think about it with Versus just throwing it out there, or worse yet, what I also hear agents do, and you can, I'm sure you'll reflect on this from both coaching calls and our own experience, where you know the other agent says, oh, they'll never take that without even asking, simply because they're afraid to negotiate with their seller or present anything except a totally spick-and-span, cut-and-dry, acceptable deal. And I think that that's malpractice, personally, not knowing this stuff. I mean, you wouldn't want your doctor operating on you guessing what was wrong with you, would you? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> just saying.
0: Actually, Jill, you caught me watching a video. I was just on our Facebook page, and I was reading. I was watching a video of Wayne. I can't pronounce his last name. I'm sure you can. Fern Ferntermacher, I think, from Pennsylvania. Anyway, yeah. Like anyway, he's got a video of him, um, and his te the T-shirt he bought was Harris Rules number eight. And, and I have the volume turned down, Wayne. If you're listening right now, I'll, I'll watch this later. But it's done is better than perfect. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. I like that one. Uh, good. All right. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, Facebook page, private Facebook page. Make sure members you're over there and you grab your free T-shirts. Oh, also, Julie, you asked me to remind remember everyone, uh, remind everyone to uh, members to make sure if you guys don't have your pre-listing packs done, we can do it for you. And I'm going to put the pre- uh, the link to do that for you on uh, the private Facebook page as well. So look for that as well and. Just make sure you mention that on your yes. uh, premiere call, which happens next. All right, so uh, you talk. So far, we talked about know your client's motivation. We talked about know uh, your client's time frame, and the next point is know the client's numbers: buyer net sheet and seller net sheet. It's not always about the money. Sometimes it's about the time frame convenience. Um, or the stainless steel refrigerator. So I'm going to give you guys a real-life example on how to present an offer where maybe the number isn't as great as you'd hoped it would be. In other words, you suspect they're going to be a little pissy about the price. Um, So you negotiate uh, when you're presenting the offer. It's a good idea when you can to present offers in person But the reality of it is, is that once you have a bunch of offers and you have a bunch of listings, that's going to be almost impossible. You'll spend more time sitting in front of sellers presenting offers than you'd be in front of other sellers getting new listings, and I'd rather have you chase new listings. So most of this work, you're going to have to get really good at uh, doing over the phone. Upper end sellers, uh, upper end markets, upper end agents, we have some of the most, uh, I think the highest uh, uh, in terms of sale price agents in the country is personal coaching clients. They always present. Um, in person, you know, if you're, you know, obviously if your seller isn't around or in the country, then you have to do it over the phone. But you're going to always be in a better position when you present in person. Just that's a word to the wise. If you're new in real estate, you might want to remember this as a tip for you to not be lazy, get off your duff, and go put those deals in contract. So your net sheets are really critically important. The seller needs to see all the information, but present all the terms before you present the price. So when you're presenting your contracts, tell them the time frame. Tell them when the buyers want to be in. Tell them when, basically, they could be out. Tell them what all the – you know, giving giving them all the terms and conditions. Let them know that the buyers are qualified, assuming they are. Let them know about, you know, all the other details in the contract, and then present the price last. Because what you're going to find, and Julie is giving you a tip here in her point, is that you will often discover that a lot of these sellers are going to be less motivated about the money than you think they would be. And this is a way that inexperienced agents screw up deals all the damn time. You negotiate thinking that the seller's most important thing is price, and it's not, and you screw up the deal. You assume that the seller is going to be pissed off because some number isn't the way you thought it should be. It's your ego screwing up the transaction. Where the reality of it is, is if you just ask the seller what their opinion was, opposed to giving your own, you'll find that in most cases the seller will just say, well, what do you think, or I don't want to lose this buyer, because they like the other terms, or they'll say, I'll just take it. Okay, You guys got to remember this stuff. Sometimes they will say,
1: I'll just take it. Don't pass out. Don't pee your pants when they say... Well, okay, but you know, some of those deals they wouldn't have said that because the agent gets in the way, and they'll they'll start out by saying, "Well, gosh, you know, I'm sure we're going to want to reject this, or right, maybe we'll counter we- it." I mean, this is a terrible yeah. offer, and they insert themselves, and, and the, the seller's like ready to be done with the process because they just lived through 12 showings and they've had it today, and they're willing to say yes, but you disallowed them from doing that because you had to put yourself in there. And I think it is That's more right. of a newer agent problem, but not always, you know, sometimes well, it's the grizzled veterans wanting to be important, but go ahead.
0: Well, but I mean newer agent, we have to be careful on that because really if I mean we're being completely transparent here, newer agents have a tendency to be a whole lot more coachable than the agents that have been in the business but only marginally been in the business for a long time. The hardest agents to coach are the ones that have been in the business quote unquote for years, but if always, you know, guys remember the different, you know, Landing The runway analogy, the plane loading and the building momentum, we talked about that last week. So the agents that have been going between the first and the second stage, the formulation and the concentration, those of you who have been bouncing back and forth for a long time, you're the ones that screw up these deals because you guys basically have never learned the fact or accepted the fact that really your opinion doesn't really matter. It's what the seller and the buyer want to put together. You just stand in the way sometimes and screw the deals up because you interject your own opinions. Look, you've got to ask the seller what they want. If they're ending up willing to sell the house for less than what you think they should sell it for because your ego somehow tells you that you're you know, the great negotiator, you're screwing up that deal, and you're not doing what those folks asked you to do. You're actually being, in my opinion, unethical because you're not negotiating on behalf of your client. You're not doing what they asked you to do because you're interjecting your own opinion. And then when you screw up the deal and the buyer and the deal doesn't happen, and then the next deal they get in months later is for substantially less, you know, it's your fault because you're the one that over negotiated the deal. So remember, guys, when you get an offer in, as Julie says here very clear, know, your, know the numbers. Do a net sheet. If it's a buyer, obviously do a buyer's net sheet. And a lot of you don't do that, but do a buyer's net sheet. And if it's a seller, do a seller's net sheet. Send everything over. You know, have everything prepared. Go through all the terms and conditions. And just say, what do you think? And you might be surprised. You will be surprised how frequently they'll be happy with the offer as it's written, and you won't have to go through this long, drawn-out, halfway negotiating process. Hey, guys, guess what? I have news for you. A lot of the guys on the Bravo TV, star, uh, Bravo TV shows are personal superstars of ours. You know that, right? And a lot of that negotiating stuff you see on the TV is, well, let's just say, it's uh, scripted. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not going to say it's fake because it's not, but let's just say it's scripted for Drama. <laughs> All right, Julie, next point. a TV point.
1: show. Okay. Yes. Point number four, know the average days on the market for the subject property that I'm negotiating on. Again, one of these things, don't go into it without knowing that. So is this a great offer because it's our only offer, right, after forever on the market? Or, you know, is this what we expected, multiple offers by next weekend? But you need to know what the average days is so that we can set the expectations. And keep in mind, here's the secret to this. Your seller's minds are tainted by what happened last go around. If the last time they sold a house, it took forever, then maybe that's what they're thinking. If they just read in the news that everything's selling like hotcakes, maybe that's what they're thinking. You've got to know the facts, because what's stuck in their head... You know, maybe they just moved from some other market that was hotter than your market or colder than your market. So we want to deal with facts, and then you can present what reality is. Is this good or bad as compares to what we should expect for this subject property? So back to you, Tim. I've got to get ready for premiere, and I'll let you wrap up with another point.
0: So, guys, listen. Uh, actually, Julie, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. when We don't have enough time. So, listen, guys, if you need us for anything, email me directly at tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. Um, some of you guys are having your best years ever, and I'm so thrilled to receive the, to read the emails, and I'm excited about it. And I always read between the lines. It's probably just because I've been coaching for so long, and really, Julie and I have been in business for so long. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Tim, can I sustain this success? Can I go to the next level? Can I? Is next year going to be you know, as good as this year? Is next month going to be as good as the last six months? And, and some of you guys doubt it. I can hear it in your emails. I read it in your emails. I can hear it in your voices. You guys think, some of you, that you're just where you are because you're uh, because you're lucky. You know, luck is nothing more than when opportunity meets preparedness. In other words, something you've done in the past put you in a position where you're experiencing the success that you're experiencing now. And where you start to screw that up, again, listen to the last week's calls when we talked about essentially building momentum. Where you screw that up is when you stop doing the very things that you were probably doing six months or 12 months ago that got you to where you are today. You're benefiting from the actions of the past you. Uh, so this is something funny you guys can have this this is something julie and i've been saying we've been married for 26 years this year and every time we get a benefit something in our life is happening in a nice positive way from something we've done in the past i'll give you a real salient example when we get a rent check in we always say and it's a joke but it's true thanks past him and julie (laughs) right thank you the past version of me and julie for having created this benefit that we're receiving now And and that's kind of an interesting way of reminding us that, look, if we want to be thanking in the future the past, Tim and Julie, we better be making sure we're moving forward and taking the actions that we had in the past, and you cannot stop that cycle. You can never ever stop moving forward in any aspect of your life, otherwise you'll lose what you have. Julie has got this really great coaching client, um, and she she talks about him all the time. In case he's listening, I'm not going to say his name. I won't even say what state he's from, but I will say this. He's almost 80 years old, and Julie says he's one of the most impressive people that she's ever personally coached because he's so focused and so motivated, and he doesn't need the money, and he's probably been that way his entire life, and you know what? For me, that's inspiring, and hopefully it's inspiring for all of you guys as well, because here's somebody who gets it, and he is a living testament to the fact that as long as you're moving forward, as long as you're focusing on improving yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, um, you know, educationally, of course, as long as you're moving forward in those side categories of life, hey, guess what? You never burn out. You're always excited. You're always wanting to discover and learn something new. Guys, that's the essence of how you win at this long term. You cannot stall out. You can not say, oh, okay, I've got it all figured out. You have to say, what do I have to do today to continue my success? And then when you experience something, say, past Tim and Julie, thank you very much for helping me experience that rent check or the whatever success I'm experiencing. And you know what? I know that if I want to have something to, that I'm thanking that past Tim and Julie for six months from now or 12 months from now, I better be making sure I'm staying focused. And all of you guys do the same thing. If there's anything we can do for you, email me directly, Tim at TimandJulieHarris.com or Julie at com. And remember, guys, request your free coaching call. Do not delay on that. When you do, we give you our – you know, probably, arguably, the most applicable book we've ever written, which is The Real Estate Treasure Map. It's the fill-in-the-blank business plan. Please go and download that. Just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. If you want to listen to any of our past coaching calls, and we have literally thousands of them, they are, they're on iTunes, they're on Stitcher, and they're on timandjulieharris.com. They're on a whole bunch of other websites, too, but those are the main websites where you guys listen to us from. Again, any time for anything we can ever be of service to any of you, reach out. We've got your backs. Guys, listen, this is your time. You have to continue to put the effort forth and keep your mindset focused on being of service to others. And remember, and I think this is Harris Rules number one. I think it is. I'll have to read the t-shirts. Doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. That is Harris Rules number one. Apply it. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow.